Welcome to the Weekly Hook. <laughs> the podcast where one of us chooses a topic they're hooked on. And I already fucked it up, but okay, I'm just going to keep going. And the other has no idea what's coming. We're your hookers, Chris and Rashad. And today, we're going to start operating like a French kitchen. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhooked.com where you can get all the latest info. Let's let her rip. So I have a question for you before we go. Actually, I have a bunch. Of, I have a series of questions before we continue. That's okay. okay. Have you ever wondered what it's like to work in a kitchen? Is this about the movie Chef? Oh, I wish it was. Oh. <laughs> uh. have, have, have I ever wondered what it is like uh, working in to a work kitchen? In a sure. kitchen. Yeah. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah, I've watched many uh, documentaries about like uh, cooking and kitchen, like cuisine and also just food in general so yes this is probably the answer to this is probably no but have you ever eaten uh, an italian beef sandwich no do you like canned tomatoes uh yes especially in the winter cool and I guess more seriously, and you can feel free to abstain if you'd like to, but, uh, and also yes or no question, yes or no answers will suffice. Do you know what it's like to have a complicated relationship with family? Yes. Have you ever been caught up between the struggle of wanting more and not being able to achieve it? Yes. Have you ever lost something and found yourself also lost in its aftermath, not knowing how to deal with what could have been and what is to come? Yes. Well, I have the show for you. Okay. <laughs> Today I'll be talking about the 2022 hit show, The Bear. Never heard of it. <laughs> so that's, that's actually kind of ironic because it's the most hyped show I've seen in 2022 by TV and film critics. Everyone has been talking about the show. And it's to the point where I thought of whether I should do the show or not because it's been so hyped. But... I just I thought it's just so good that we need to discuss this on this uh, on this uh, podcast. That's the thing. If you're not on social media and don't really follow a lot of news, uh, you don't really hear about it. Everybody might have been talking about it, but I didn't hear about it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because like I'm not one for social media as well, uh, but I do kind of follow quite a bit of film and TV critics uh, and kind mm. of follow that conversation via like chris does on podcasts and other mediums so it's definitely something that has come up to my attention and what's interesting that it's become to the point where references to this show have permeated into other aspects of society so on a sports podcast i'll be listening to they'll reference this show on other random things on like a a marvel or a star wars podcast they'll reference this show and it's just become so prevalent and obviously it's a show produced by hulu so uh, and I watch Hulu quite a bit. I think Hulu, it's for me, the two networks that I watch the most are Hulu and HBO. So um, obviously Hulu was marketing their show quite a bit after their its critical success. But you should definitely look out for it on the next Emmys. So it'll definitely be making a splash there, I'm sure. And probably it's going to be available at some point in Europe because Hulu is... Oh, Hulu's difficult. not a thing in Europe? No, no, oh. and also that whole that whole discourse probably took place pretty much exclusively in uh, the U.S. or at least the Anglo sphere. So you know, yeah, that's what we do. Sorry, <laughs> and everybody's talking about it on the whole in the whole world. 
Everyone who I follow has been talking about it, but that's just me. Um, it is an amazing show, and I'm going to help to uh, – hopefully you'll be able to watch it within the next two years. <laughs> after after this episode, the German market is going to be you know ready for it, for sure, because of our many, many listeners in Europe. Well, we just move markets. That's what we do. Yes. So it's a show that was actually initially conceived of as a movie, and – stretched into a TV show after movie production um, was not possible for it. What's interesting is that so many shows that are conceived that way or built that way often tend to fail. And I've rarely found myself being like, oh my God, this was, you know, I want, this is the perfect amount of space for each character or things tend to feel stretched and too thin. I mean, we can just easily look at a lot of the Star Wars shows that have been coming out in the past couple of years, whereas just like this was much better as a movie. Like this mm -hmm. is, and we can see how it was originally understood as a movie and designed as a movie and then stretched beyond its limits. But this is a show that's kind of the exact opposite where I would have been, I would have felt very robbed if it had been a movie only and it's it's quite sad that it was quite i'm really i feel lucky actually that it was made into a show and that it has developed it developed so well and i'm just really happy to be talking about it today it's a show that is really oddly universally loved there is very few criticisms that i've heard about this show um very few very few people that have watched it have told me eh not for me um And it is something that is definitely kind of on the come up right now. And over the next couple of years, I imagine that it's going to really cement itself as one of the best limited series over, of this era. And as we're, you know, we're on the front end of all the trends out there. We were talking about uh, mid 20th century or mid aughts uh, Star Wars animated shows half the time. But <laughs> <laughs> in this case, I'm happy to ride the wave on this episode. I want to move forward with it. I mean, see my earlier comment about not having heard about the show, so you can tell how much on the pulse of the time I am. <laughs> well, I'm glad uh, you're at least on this ride with me. And don't worry, this conversation will be spoiler free. That's good. I'm a fan of that. <laughs> As we all are. Uh, well, well, we'll see. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's no secret to anyone that I like spoilers or I don't mind spoilers uh, yeah. much more than you do. But alas, here we are. Hopefully you'll forget everything I talk about today and never listen to this episode. So you, well, you oh, can I go will. into the episode. Okay, don't you worry. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing, like I always, as, as everyone should know, I always forget what we talk about. And Chris has this weird ability to remember things. Yes. I just don't understand. It was, I think it's all right. So once we were talking about trailers and why we don't yeah. listen to, why we don't watch trailers. And for you, you were like, I just, I just like remember everything in the trailer and, and it distracts or whatever from, I forget exactly what you said, but it essentially yeah. boiled down to me being like you, it distracts from your ability to watch the show or the movie. Mm -hmm. And it just like, you remember everything and that's all you think about or something like that. I think it is kind of the same phenomenon as don't think of a pink elephant where If I've watched the trailer, I want to forget what's in there so I can just uh, experience the movie or show or whatever it is as though I had never seen the trailer. So I try to forget having ever seen it, but then that makes me remember it even more. I see. Well, it's really interesting because like, obviously... I'm the exact opposite, but also I have a very, very short-term memory for some reason. I just mm -hmm. I have the ability to watch something and be like, oh, what was that? <laughs> I, 
I remember. So the um, I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen the Black Panther trailer? Yes, I have. Yeah, seen it's that. so good, so good. If anyone hasn't seen that trailer, you should definitely check out the Black Panther two trailer, Wakanda Forever. I mean, a rare Marvel shout out on this podcast, but yeah. go check it out by me. And it go, but it, that still goes to your point <laughs> because I messaged you about it and you apparently forgot. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. That was my point. It was just like you messaged me. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> I I I guess it's a curse and a gift sometimes. It's a curse when I'm trying to actually do uh my PhD. But other than that, it seems to be going okay for me. <laughs> um but nevertheless, that was a long aside, but this show is great and it really deserves our attention. So I'm gonna give it my little two cents today, if that's all right with you, Chris. I mean, sure. If not, this <laughs> this episode is over. So please go. Yeah, ahead. I mean, if you said no, I just like hang up. I guess. <laughs> no, you can just monologue and just like you don't need me for this next part. <laughs> but yes, I'm actually very interested. So please tell us all about it. Perfect. So uh, it was created by Christopher Storer and produced by who who was one of the producers on one of our favorite or one of my favorite movies, Eighth Grade, and was a director of multiple episodes of the hulu show rami which if you haven't seen you should definitely check out and i might do a weekly hook about it one day in the future and if that's not enough for you to just stop right now and just like go watch the show first of all i don't know what's wrong with you you should definitely eighth grade and rami alone is enough to make you want to watch the show but i will continue never uh, just to, sorry you will continue after i can tell you that i've never heard of rami either so i mean that i wasn't figured but eighth grade should be enough for you to watch it yeah, yeah eighth grade for sure for sure yeah and many of the creative team on this show worked on movies such as eighth grade so you can tell the creative lineage or ancestry of this show nice the only plot i will give you is the is um is this the show is about a young chef from the fine dining world who comes home to chicago to run his family italian beef sandwich shop following a death in the family uh i've heard about this <laughs> just that premise I, I think that's all i've heard about it somewhere but okay cool so i'm not entirely ignorant that's nice Ooh, ooh. all right uh, so it has made it slightly into the the winds of germany yes that could be a good title of a show, The Winds of Germany. <laughs> sure. Um, but, all right, so the, it's starring, and I'm just going to highlight three of the main cast right now. Jeremy Allen White is the main character, uh, Carmen, um, who he's most notably known as Lip from Shameless. So any of you Shameless heads out there will recognize him and also want to see this show for sure. Um, Eben Moss Bacharach as Richie and um, Ayo Edibiri, who freaking stars in this show, as Sydney. On the creative team, um, you have writers such as Sophia Weitz, who is most famously worked on The Dropout, another 2022 hit show, and um, an executive producer, Hiro Murai, whose work is endless and, for me at least, most notably is one of the geniuses behind the show Atlanta. So all of these shows have such a long pedigree and... It's this show is just a, an amalgamation of so many different creative minds that have worked on so much, so many great things that I per- personally love, and it all coalesces in this beautiful show uh, called The Bear. Creator Chris Storer grew up in Chicago with his sister Courtney, who is actually a chef. So she is also credited as a, I think, a cuisine producer or food producer, one of those things, which is a great title. 
and a title for uh, for Logan one day in the future. But <laughs> it's it's such a, a beautiful show. And hear more about their personal background and how the show came to be. I can recommend listening to their interview on the Air Jordan podcast. Um, it's actually yeah. <laughs> It's not a Michael Jordan podcast. It's okay. Air, yeah, Air Jordan, a food podcast is the title of it. It's a great mm-hmm. podcast where he interviews, where Jordan um, Okun interviews chefs and other food-minded people. So this is a really interesting way to go about watching or listening to a critique of this particular show because it's not necessarily from a film critic perspective, but more from a food critic perspective or food perspective. And these two things that I love personally and drive my entire life, you could say, is (laughs) one of the reasons why I particularly love the show. And their story is amazing. And there's only one way to really describe this show and its performances. And it comes from a quote from FX president of original programming, Nick Grad, in where he talks about their performances of all the actors as ferocious. And if you've seen the show, you know what I mean by its ferocity and its strength in this way. But for those of you who haven't seen it, it means that you, when you watch the show, you will be in for a ride, the ride of your life. And it is a ride that you're more than happy to join. And it is as topsy-turvy as the best rides or roller coasters out there. And it's just such a great show that, of course, I'm going to say this a billion times on this episode that you should definitely watch it. Considering the setting of the show, A, Chicago is just a great setting. The regional accents and dialogue, the the scenery of the city that you get to see as a, how you feel so invested and so a part of the world. It feels so lived in and realistic. It's not one of those shows that over explains its vernacular or has overly simplified generic vocabulary that it uses it is something that one of those shows that it just drops you into a world as if you're supposed to already be living in it and those are the kinds of shows that i particularly love shows that don't over baby the audience and and this is just not the case it feels like these are real people that have real relationships real journeys real emotional stakes at play and from top to bottom, it is just a great world and a beautiful setting to be a, to, to, to be a part of. And speaking of characters, it develops each character individually and gives them space to define or understand their whole narrative through unique and different ways. It's so one character you see the background from the very beginning and another character, you don't really see her background until as the sh- until the show moves on a little bit more and another character through flashbacks or through other things and another character you don't really see their background but through you you see it through other characters explaining about them so character building and development is done so uniquely within this show and it's it creates a great varied tone for the development of these characters and when you think about the show and what happens in it admittedly not much happens from beginning to end of this season in terms of like big things it's like they don't go on a i don't know a rampage around the world killing a bunch of monkeys but what happens is that it it is so critical and um intense what happens between the lines of the show and within the small moments that then build up to be huge climactic moments in ways that aren't defined by plot points but are more defined by 
character points. And that's a, just another reason to love this show and its characters and how it focuses on things that I think are really important in building a, a television show. And the really, really for me, the biggest differentiation between a television show and a movie is that you have the space to grow characters. And if you don't grow those characters, you're really doing your dis- yourself a disservice and not taking advantage of the medium at hand. And this show takes advantage of it to a T. Cool. I'm just uh, giving you space as promised. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, if you have no response, I can continue forever. <laughs> I mean, this sounds like totally up your alley. Like, I mean, just, just obviously, you know, uh, a series that that has such strong performances but it's about cooking and drama and is an exploration of character that's like an like up to 11 on your scale yeah it's a, it's it's whew, it's up there for sure i will talk about it moving forward obviously because that's the whole point of this episode <laughs> you're doing <laughs> i'm so good at just stating the obvious i know i know why why are you pointing to the meta point here please just continue you know th- that's just what i do i can't live in the moment the seams the seams are showing i mean the seams have been visible from day one let's be honest but let me continue with the characters please just to begin with carmen or carmy he's the main character who comes back home to to chicago and for him, the struggle is real. You can see his emotions as such a raw manifestation of all of his issues. From beginning to end, you can see different ways that his dealing with the death in his family and also simultaneously having to move back is weighing on him and how it impacts everything around him. He shows a level of vulnerability but at the beginning of the show, you really sense that he struggles with it. And over time, that layer, the layers of the onion slowly get peeled back. It's about... <laughs> I see what you did there. You like the Shrek reference? Yeah? <laughs> no? <laughs> so good. So good. All right, cool. Uh, look, who's, look who's being meta now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was too good. It is... Just so much about his hard work, but his self-harming focus and his dedication. And he epitomizes the the theme of grief and struggle throughout the show. And I have to highlight a specific moment. I'm not going to tell you anything about it other than what it is. And at one point, there is a seven-minute monologue that he goes on in this show near the end of the season. And it just blows your socks off. Not only is it an absolutely breathtaking performance, it is a moment of television where you forget where you are at that time. The seven minutes feels like 30 seconds just because of how amazing it's, it is and how much you not only, not only is it the culmination of an emotional journey, you're learning things in the monologue itself. And there's so much that's understood and revealed and also expressed in a way that is just so captivating that this seven minute monologue is for me the highlight of the entire show in a show that involves cooking delicious beef sandwiches and other miscellaneous things 
<laughs> it's almost impossible that anything else would be the highlight for me other than peeling back the aluminum foil to kind of reveal a glistening glazed chuck roast it is this beautiful monologue and i, I just i'm all for it so that is one character and then the next character i'd like to talk about is my favorite character in the show sydney she is you know the typical sidekick who is there to support the main character and but that doesn't stop there obviously the show wouldn't stop there i wouldn't be bringing it up if it stopped there it the high, the show highlights so much of her depth and her background and how she manages ambition and failure and what makes her tick as a character, as an individual, is so robustly shown and driven and how her own personal background is revealed to kind of inform her decision to be where she is and everything about her relationship with Carmen is it's just a phenomenal ability to manage a sidekick normally a typical sidekick that's technically would be one note in any lesser show but in this show it is a fully realized character that you really want to spend so much more time with and the show really toes the line between or you know walks the fine line between being and and revealing so much but then also leave you wanting more and there's so many shows where you're just like, but but I want more of this. I just please give me. But then uh, and it feels it feels hollow in a way. And then other shows where you're just like, I don't need this much about this character. Just just skip to the point. And this show, this for Sydney in particular, it is it really does walk a fine line and does it perfectly. So shout out to Sydney and a couple more characters that i i have to highlight not because i love them so much but because i didn't like them and it the show did a great job of casting them not as antagonists but as contrasts to our main fun characters or the characters that we are supposed to love and that's uh n- notably richie who his rough big brother type who's you know a little bit of a mess and does stupid things and kind of acts out i guess in a way and even he is a character who you're built to at the beginning of the show really dislike but throughout the the season you find yourself empathizing with him more and more and understanding his perspective and learning about what makes him tick as well and it doesn't go so far as to justify all of his stupid stuff that he does because the show never does that what it does is that it shows you what informs acting in that way and how specifically loss and struggle ends up being a motivating factor for acting so negatively or self in a self-harming manner to a certain extent and the last character i'd want to highlight is uh, i didn't mention at the top but it's tina plays by played by uh, lisa colon who is a character just like i at the beginning of the show i hated so much i was just like get this person off my television screen i'm just like ah you know the you know the the (laughs) you know when a tv show has a character that just like makes you just feel uncomfortable and just being like ah i hate you Mm -hmm. so much this is like i mean great performance and it just to a t does it really well but even her even though i love to hate her and i hated her so much (laughs) they turn it around somehow and 
it it's I overuse the word masterclass or class or just amazing or just all the superlatives in the world, but the characters in the show are really the highlight of this show. And it's something that I'd really recommend you focus on and watching it. And if you've already watched this show, you know what I'm talking about. So kudos to you. And I just looked it up. Sadly, I cannot do this because it's not available here. We'll, we'll, we'll find a workaround. <laughs> then please don't sue us, Hulu. <laughs> or no, Hulu's owned by Disney. Shit, we're definitely going to get sued. Oh, is it? Then may- No, I still can't watch it, though. Yeah, no, no. Hulu's owned by Disney. Yeah. Um, so Who isn't at this point? That's a good point. Such insightful commentary. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, I'm the first person ever to say that. Screw you, Disney. We can handle your lawyers. <laughs> nope. Honestly, what are they going to take? What are they going to take? My bike? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be a shame, though? That would be a shame, but, you know, it's not the most valuable possession in the world. Just my most valuable possession. Are you going to take your bike with you? I don't know where to where, but the answer is yes. The p- next place you're moving to that I yeah, don't yeah, know whether to, I can state on air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to Japan, of course. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, it's not that far. It's not that far. No, no, no. I've taken this bike to Japan, to the UK, to the US, and then I'm taking it back to Japan and then back to the UK. It's going with me everywhere. <laughs> the only question for me is do I take it to Peru? Because I don't really envision myself tr- uh, biking on the roads in Peru. Yeah, uh, But, you know, we'll see. Stay tuned, everyone. <laughs> is Rashad going to take his bike to Peru? Find out next year. If, if any of you have lived in Peru or are from Peru, please let me know if, if I should take my bike. I've been there, but I, so I, and I didn't really get the biking vibe, but I guess we'll find out. Maybe, maybe just like uh, us influencing the European market for this show, you taking your bike there might influence Peru's government to, to make it, this country more bike-friendly. I don't know. Yes, invest millions and millions of soles to make Lima a bike-friendly city just for me. That's what we do. That's what we need. Well, that was another aside. I don't know how we got there, but I'm going to talk now about the cinematography of the show, as I am definitely want to do. It's like, <laughs> has really become my Shocking. lane. Right? Yeah. It's, it's really, what is it when I talk about any show? It's characters and cinematography. These are the two things yes. that I crave. And this show really delivers on both of them. I'm going to talk a little bit less about cinematography because we are not running out of time, but I do want to, I guess, shorten my monologue. It's more than seven minutes long, for sure. <laughs> it's also like the first time ever that I've wanted to shorten a monologue, so listeners be happy. <laughs> I was going to say that that usually doesn't stop you. Good point. So we'll see. It's not like I have a script written today, so I'm just like winging it anyways, so we'll see how it goes. With the cinematography, really, why it's going to be shorter than normal is that the highlight of this is one thing. And its ability to capture life in a kitchen and its hecticness and its chaotic nature. And not only does it do so so effectively, it does so in a way that makes you, as I said, feel like you're in the kitchen with 
everyone there. It has these super long one take shots with this handheld camera that is so effective in conveying that chaos. And it is, it's a stress that becomes palpable as you're watching. This is not an easy show to watch. It is, it feels stressful. And especially when you're in the kitchen, but as the camera work evolves through the show, the way that it's shot and the way that it manages displaying what's happening in the kitchen is reflective of the beats of the show moving forward. So not only is it an amazing representation of hectic life in the kitchen, how it moves back and forth from station to station as it, as one person or one chef struggles to find what they're looking for, it's moves around back and forth hectically. It also is representative of how, the plot of the show is moving forward and shots in the kitchen and the reflection of that is a perfect is works in perfect symbiosis with the development of the characters that i've mentioned and how the effectiveness of this italian beef shop is operating at any given point in time so it's absolutely incredible. The show is also inundated with these super close-up shots of everything to make you feel even more claustrophobic because famously famously in any given kitchen, there's not much space. There's a lot of people moving back and forth around in circles and you're always cramped for space. And this show does such a good job of making you kind of feel claustrophobic and not only with those long takes and you combine those long takes actually that I mentioned with this close-up shots and all of a sudden you feel like your head is spinning as if you're in the kitchen and it's an incredible beat and obviously with any good show every every shot is just designed so well the set design is amazing the colors and how the the store the store wow the colors and how the store is designed and how every scene is just so meticulously shot is incredible on top of the amazing work that's done behind the kitchen but for me in cinematography perspective how it captures the stress and hecticness of a kitchen but also could be reflective of you know just modernity and how much we have we are inundated with so much that's around us is it just takes your breath away and yeah i I mean that, that i guess that's it for cinematography i mean there are times where the show does a good job of pausing to not only give you a respite, but also to highlight any specific thing, any moment that's happening within the scene. And it's just a beautiful balance that you often, whenever a lot of shows, so if we, if we look at shows that try to mimic this and they have this, oh my God, some shit's hitting the fan. We're going to have a shaky cam held handheld camera with one long take. We're not going to do any cuts. And it's sort of one to the other, right? So it's like, what is this, the mid 2000s? (laughs) Exactly. But what what this show does so well is that it, it imbues these one shots into cuts that are done so well. And it goes back and forth between multiple different kinds of cinematography in a way that it's hard to explain without having you watch it, but just know that when you're when you're watching this show, pay attention to how the camera is moving and pay attention to how it's capturing the lifestyle and how you're feeling in any given moment, and you'll know exactly what I mean. And it is ferocious, as I mentioned in the top, and it is hectic, and it is chaotic, claustrophobic, 
but it is beautiful. So check the show out for its cinematography as well. Wow, that sounds very good. I mean, obviously it's you know that that you know that's exactly what what cinematography is about. It's just like creating this atmosphere. And from what you described, it sounds like this show very much succeeded at that. And it not only succeeded in that from only a cinematographer and a cinematographic perspective, well, cinematography perspective, but it's when cinematography works in tandem with writing and direction. And when those three things are working perfectly well in the same and are on the same page, it is akin to the highest level of cinema. And that's what makes movies and television special. And this show blows that away. It's so good. I mean, I'm 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 now just putting this on my watch list and eagerly awaiting this thing uh, coming to Europe again, like soon. Well, we just have to bring. I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring it to you somehow. So the the main sh- the main theme of the show that I've hinted at up until this point is about grief and about dealing with loss and how it manifests in our work and our relationships with everyone else. And this is a theme that goes throughout the entire show. And those of us who have experienced any level of grief understand that it, it permeates all aspects of our, of our lives. And this show represents that extremely, extremely well. And not only is Carmen struggling with this grief, or not only Carmen, but everyone in this show is struggling with the grief, not only with the loss of the aforementioned family member, but with other, whatever struggle that they're individually going through, it, it does, this show does a great job of representing how different people deal with grief and that there is not one specific template for dealing with grief. You don't have these four steps of grief that everyone has to follow. But in reality, we tend to deal with grief in our own way, despite the social expectations that we have towards grief. And whether or not we'd like it, whether or not we want to, we have to find a way to deal with and manage the struggle that we're going through and overcome that despite the responsibilities that fall off during the period of grief that we're going through, the resulting disappointment that we lead, we have ourselves and we, you know, other people have with regards to us and as a as a result of our dealing with grief because let's be honest when you're dealing with grief you can't do much else like it is all encompassing and we all find a way to manage it but manage it is all you can do at some point so there are so many layers to the show uh, with regards to grief and seeking out help with regards to grief and dealing with it on different levels when it comes to family, to friendships, to, to society and work. And it's just an incredible story of how grief is all-encompassing, but it is not only something that is felt when someone is really, really gone, like when someone passes away. You can lose somebody when they're still alive, and you can feel that level of grief build up inside of you and not even know it. And it sometimes is not only until it's too late that you realize that somebody's really gone and that grief had been has been affecting you for however long. And dealing with that and coming to the surface with that is an incredible journey that, I mean, it, it's sad to say that 
almost everyone at some point in their life is going to have to deal with it. And if you, if, and if someone has never dealt with it, good luck when you deal with it for the first time, because it is an absolute nightmare. And this show encompasses that nightmare in such a beautiful way and makes you resonate with the characters and makes you really reflect on your own journeys through the struggles that, you know, whether or not you've experienced it before can recognize and hopefully will um, associate or will empathize with it to a certain extent. To um, make a visual reference in an audio podcast, chef's kiss. <laughs> Sorry, I, just, I was trying to respond to it, trying to think of something, but I do you respond to a chef's kiss? I don't, I don't know. I think so. I think no. you just accept it. You know what? I'll just continue cooking. That's That's very appropriate. So another theme of this show that I think is something that we've hinted at before in other episodes, and I hinted at a little bit this episode, that is about how work can be a damaging proposition and how we often as society, when we talk about television shows or whatever, media in general, or even just our daily lives, we glorify the hard worker. Like, who is the hero in a lot of these stories that we're telling? It's the plucky underling who works hard to overcome barriers and, you know, overcome and succeed and just such a nose uh, to the grindstone person. But work in the way that it can take over our lives can become too much and it becomes overwork and can rip us of our sense of selves to the point where, especially when dealing with grief, because you can throw grief into work and you can just throw your entire sense of self to avoid dealing with grief. And through work, we can easily, through overwork, through an over-dedication or obsession, we can break our relationships in the name of working harder, in the name of success, because we then justify how we break our relationships with others or how we break our relationships with our own sense of selves in the name of success. Because success is this is the is seen as the goal in society. We've talked about communism and capitalism and contribution to society in the past, so reference our other podcasts. But in this show, it's shown how damaging that that process can be. And, oh yes, Carmen at some point was the head chef of the best restaurant in the entire world. But he got there through abuse and he got there through struggle in a negative way. And that story of abuse and torture within the workplace and how overwork and over-obsession with work is a torturous process that passes from generation to generation as a, as a value added to society that we then convince ourselves as the most important thing. And instead, this show shows that the damage and that such, such that it is an intense dedication that is beyond the natural limits of what we can do it can erode at everything that we are and everything that is around us and while the message of the show is not don't work don't do anything but as if as same with any addiction that anyone has it's about managing it and about using the support around us to balance life with our desires for success and whatever that may be, material or non-material. And 
having our pursuits be a part of who we are, not erase who we are. And somewhere in the afterlife, Karl Marx smiles. Uh, <laughs> maybe our first actual, because we've never talked about a book on the weekly hook, not so far anyway. Maybe it should be Das Kapital. I don't know. No, but seriously, uh, it's that sounds very fascinating. That's something I've been talking, uh, I've been thinking about and talking about uh, for the last few years. And you know that sense of self and identity and self worth, how it correlates with um, quote unquote success in the workspace. And maybe that's too personal for the podcast, but it's interesting to me that you found this show in the midst of a very labor or work intense period in your life. Chris, there's nothing too personal for this podcast, at least for me. So <laughs> okay, let's open the floodgates. Challenge accepted. And my last thing that I'd like to discuss today is a message that kind of, it, it resonated personally with me really well. And it's about when you leave home and you leave the family behind and how that can tear relationships and specifically notions of belonging to that family. We all have responsibilities to family members, whatever that may be. And when you leave, you inevitably leave some of those responsibilities behind. You maintain some of them for sure, and you try to keep up as much as you can to whatever extent you'd like to. But that relationship with family, despite modernity and our ability to communicate long distances, whatever it may be, is still ruptured in a way that is irreconcilable to a certain extent. And then when you're forced to return or whether you choose to return and in what capacity you choose, in whatever capacity you choose to return, you have to then reconcile with the journey that you've taken going away and coming back. Really, do you really ever belong within the family that you left behind? Have you become a new person based on this journey? And how do you reconcile that new life with the old life that you left when you were growing up? And how do you rebuild and reform those relationships that you built up as a child and then really understand what is the nature of my position relative to yours? And how do we then create a new relationship based on a foundation of family and a personal history, but understanding this new place and new understanding for oneself? It's obviously this is not a case for people who do leave and come back and oscillate between being a part or being part of their family. But because in any journey, in any in any personhood, you have you constantly redefine the relationships you have with those people around you. For this show, especially with Carmen's journey that he had throughout his life and his return to Chicago and his family, I found it a great examination of the ways that relationships and belonging within family have to be torn down to be built back up again in a holistically new life. And I think that's just an amazing message for me personally and a message that many of our people who watch the show or people who listen to Serially Hooked will enjoy when watching The Bear. I understand the hype <laughs> after listening to you. I understand why everybody... Uh... Everybody in the US, at least, uh, really seems to like this one. So one last thing I'll have to note, and actually it's a negative thing. Ooh. So uh, there is a bad plot decision that I really don't care about at the end of the, the, end of the season. That, the season kind of does end on, you know, 
an oh, odd no. an odd note at the very end. But for me, it's okay because of everything that I've mentioned and one plot decision at the very end barely takes away from my enjoyment of the show because I mean, I mean, I've said so much already about what I love it. And as I've mentioned before, for me, plot doesn't decide the outcome of whether something is good or not. The small plot decision at the end isn't egregious. It isn't uh, the end of the world, but it's an easy thing to criticize and something that I found myself like, oh man, that's annoying. That's disappointing at the very end of the show. In the end, I think the show is is worth it. I think that it is a unique show and lots of people love the show. I love this show. And maybe people don't have problems with said plot point, but I do. And that's fine because I love everything else about this show. And I still find myself watching clips of this show because it is absolutely fantastic and has not only one memorable scene but countless memorable scenes i guess to that end whether you like you know a holistic realistic world great characters just like like food or cooking in general or like emotion and humor and everything that comes in between them watch the bear that's my message to you just watch it watch the bear that's also a good name for for a podcast. Anyway, thank you so much for sharing this, uh, your insight, your enthusiasm, your passion. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure hearing you talk about it, and I'm very intrigued. All right. Well, thank you so much. If you've enjoyed the show, uh, give us a five star rating. And I'm changing everything up on the fly, not telling Chris. And with that, for uh, for Chris, I'm Rashad, and talk to you next time. Bye.